I think the understanding here should be that if you're considering getting into this part of the industry, this part of gaming, is that first of all, is it legal or not in the area you plan to operate? You know, and I think right. that's a big that's a big deal. Jeff, thanks so much for coming on today. I'm looking forward to this conversation. We've been uh, kind of going back and forth a little bit since uh, Expo, and here we are today. We finally get a chance. Uh, for yeah. the people who don't know uh, who you are or anything about Sherway Gaming, tell us uh, tell us the backstory. Yeah, thanks, Forrest. Glad we can make this work. Glad to be on this uh, podcast, official interview process here to tell you a little bit about Shoreway Games and you know what we do and such. So um, for those that don't know me, because I'm not very well known, if at all, in the in the bowling industry. That's where we mm -hmm. met at the Bull Expo. Right. Um, so it was a you know a, a unique experience because from what we do compared to bowling centers, at first didn't make a lot of sense to me until I went to the expo, talked to some some folks there, and then got a better idea. You know, the bowling centers are so much more than that, right? And right. you know, we we looked at the opportunity as something we might be able to expand our products into. So that's kind of the reason we went. But and anyway, what we do is, you know, we're a we're a manufacturer by by trade basically, but we design and and manufacture um, game terminals and kiosks for use mostly in the you know, uh, gaming world, you know, game terminals, which um, mm -hmm. in itself has, has taken a completely different um, and positive growth um, in the industry compared to what it used to be, you know, many right. years ago. Yeah, so that that's really interesting. And I, I spend, you know, a lot of times because um, talking to people about this, there's still a, a big impression with some people, especially on the amusement side of our industry, that feel like, you know, there still should be a, a separation of the two, but they are becoming much more, you know, intertwined than they ever have before. And there's a lot of good reasons for that. And I think we'll probably talk about some of that during this um, interview or this mm -hmm. podcast, I should say. Um, but, you know, I, um, I've been in this um, industry for a really long time. And I, it's probably, I, I'm guessing now over 30 years, um, oh, wow. somewhere, yeah, somewhere back in the very late 80s or 90s. Um, and, and just previous to that, I'll go into a little bit. I'm a, I'm a military veteran, so I always mm -hmm. like to tell people that because it explains kind of how I got my start in, you know, like electronics or technology, because that's what I did in the military. I was in the Navy. I worked on um, mm -hmm. the F-14 fighter jet. Oh, um, cool. and Yeah, it was really cool. I was stationed aboard an aircraft carrier, which is the USS Nimitz. And mm -hmm. I worked on these really cool jets, you know, fighter jets. And I, I handled all the communication and navigations and weapon fire control systems. Right. On these. And it's kind of where I got my interest in the way things work and the way things were built. Um, and But, you know, it turned out military life wasn't really for me. I did my four years and, and got out and then got a job in the private sector uh, mm -hmm. doing virtually the same thing on airplanes, only on private planes. You know, take away the weapons controls because obviously we don't need <laughs> sure. those. Right. <laughs> yeah. but they still need to navigate and communicate right and uh right. I, w I was just literally tearing apart airplanes taking out the old stuff and putting in the new state-of-the-art electronics whatever state-of-the-art was back in you know the mid-80s sure. <laughs> yeah and then so i know it's a long backstory but basically what happened was we hired a, a technician there and um he worked for us for a couple years he's also a good friend of mine and then he decided he wanted to leave and and get a new job and he ended up working for a company in the amusement side of this industry of hmm. uh, a manufacturer out of new jersey and they were uh, designing and building redemption equipment um 
so after he was there for a little while, he called me one day and he said, you know, this company could really use a guy like you. Uh, they're, they're getting ready to hire somebody in operations. So why don't you interview for it? And, and so mm-hmm. that I did, I interviewed and, and they hired me shortly after. And, you know, I, I got the bug, man. I, I fell in love with it right off the bat. I really did. And, um, kind of hit the ground running with that and then just continued on in the industry, you know, virtually ever since. Very cool. Yeah. So it sounds like, uh, Gaming would be pretty easy after working on airplanes, right? And and uh, yeah, you know, aircraft. <laughs> well, I don't know, Forrest, if you've stood in front of a like a true casino level, you know, slot machine as we call mm-hmm. it these days. You you almost need a rocket science, you know, right. uh, degree to check out what's going on in these monitors. Sure. You know, uh, they they're pretty complicated, but we don't do that level, and there's a good reason for that too. But mm-hmm. but you're right. Um, you know, it's still the correlation though really is I love the build stuff. I like the design process. Mm-hmm. I like to see it come together, that tangible experience, and then, you know, kind of plug it in and see it come to life. That's such a cool thing for me. And um, so I always knew I wanted to continue to do that. You know, and you were asking, well, how did I get into this, you know, part of it? So I, I mentioned I started out on the amusement side, which was mm-hmm. a really cool experience. And you know, uh, years and years later, um, you know, I started working with customers in this segment of the industry. We we began, you know, building, designing and building, you know, specific cabinets for that brand only, right? Um, so we were a third-party manufacturing facility for some of these brand names. And that was also a cold experience. But, you know, I was kind of hamstrung, if you will, by a few things. One was, um, you know, it was, it was only... A, a product line that could be used by that specific customer. So we call that OEM in, in our world, you know. Right. Um, and then, um, so that was one one thing that I it was limitation for me. The other thing was that most of the time we were building for pretty large companies, you know, very corporate-run organizations mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of money and a lot of layers of individuals. And that sort of thing just turned out not to be for me. There wasn't enough creativity in it and, and such. So. Yeah, I decided to get, you know, kind of take a step back or, you know, some guys or people would say a step down, meaning from that level of gaming down to the next level, which is a much more widely spread part of the industry. Um, And and that's the skill based uh, gaming that um, my company is primarily involved with now. Right. Yeah. And walk me through the history of that, because that seems to be something with, you know, maybe some recent changes in legislation that has really taken off. Um, across the board. Walk us through maybe how that's come to light. Yeah, that's a great question and a really good experience and story, you know, and it, it, we mentioned at the beginning of this podcast where, you know, the old sort of impression of this was, you know, kind of smoke filled rooms, uh, you know, small wood, ugly cabinets with tiny right. monitors. Right. Um, and, and now it's really has emerged into a, a great A experience, you know, and I mentioned before about the casino level games. Um, our our product line, skill based games, are every bit as good looking as a casino grade game. You know the, yeah. the cabinets. Cabinets are now metal for the most part. The screen size has increased to you know beautiful forty three inch vertical. In a lot of cases, curved monitors with lots of uh, LED lights going on in the cabinets and some really stunning graphics. Um, so that has helped what the question you ask is to bring this industry along, you know, this part of the industry along to legitimate, you know, make it legitimate, if you will. Mm-hmm. Right. And there are two sides to it, of course. There is to every story, I think, right? But of course, I think yeah. that 
I think the understanding here should be that if you're considering getting into this part of the industry, this part of gaming, is that first of all, is it legal or not in the area you plan to operate? You know, and I think right. that's a big that's a big deal. And you mentioned that you know a lot of states or, or areas are converting, you know, or starting to legalize this part of it. Um, and the other way to say that is, if there's no law, then it's assumed it is okay to to operate. You know, because yeah. there are. Some there are some cases where they're just like, you know, nope, this does not work here. You can't do it, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's understandings in place. And, you know, we'll, we'll give an example like um, the state of Wisconsin, for example, where this is widely operated. And there's a, you know, a, a, an understanding with the uh, Department of Revenue there, you know, that it, you keep your books, you keep them accurately. And, um, you know, you pay your taxes on all, all that income that comes through the, the, the bill acceptor on your game terminals and everybody is happy. You know, mm-hmm. it's only it's only the people that deliberately try to, you know, get around those, you know, sort of rules that end up, you know, ruining this part of the industry or, or ruining a good thing. Right. Now, is there like a, a listing or a central place where you can figure out where your state lies? Because every, every state's a little bit different. Like if someone wants to know what the rules are for their state, where would they go for that? Yeah, it's really hard to track that down. You know, it, it's, it basically lives on kind of the um, the state website, you know, and you got to mm. kind of dig, dig into the fine print, if you will, because often, it, you know, it, it, I wish they made it easy for us. Like there was sure. a tab, that, you know, here, gaming here. Right. But it, it's often buried, you know, in, in deep down in some other legislation that was tried to pass or is passed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's difficult to find. And then just to kind of make it a little bit more complicated is that within a state, you know, each town, city, village, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. could also enact, enact their own rules. Right. You know, and I'll give you another example here in the state of Illinois, which is where I live and my company um, is located. Right. So here uh, the regulated gaming um, is legalized in the state of Illinois. Right. Regulated gaming is exactly uh, what is, you know, in the state of Nevada and New Jersey and all those places. Right. And Mm -hmm. what that means is the state recognizes it and there's a a procedure and plan in place that puts all of these game terminals out on location and all the revenue is split accordingly and and at the end of the day for the state's purpose they get their um tax revenue from that income that goes through the bill acceptor right and that's why it's regulated mm-hmm. uh, but there's also you know some some uh specific cities if you will or, or towns within the state that just don't want it right so they have enacted code through their own power that says not in our town and that's mm-hmm. that's totally within their power right so mm-hmm. That's an example of what I was talking about before. It's it's a little bit difficult to really you know find that magic button that says yeah I can operate these here in my you know in my bowling center in this case. Mm-hmm. Where where do you guys currently do most of your business? Which states do you do a lot of your work in? Yeah, that's a really good question too. So um, you know your home state of Pennsylvania, for example, um, mm-hmm. is a big is a big state for this business. Uh, Wisconsin previously mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you got some North Carolina business, uh, Virginia, uh, Florida, you know, um, and, and Georgia. And, you know, also all these places have, have some pretty brisk business in this area. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then, are, so you're saying you got to basically look it up on the, the state and the local level to know whether or not that you can even have the games. 
Yeah, well, that's a start. Like I said, it's not easy to find, you know. So, so basically, and I can tell you how this works in a lot of cases, and that's what I think is really cool about this segment of the industry. So I want to back up a bit and talk about that because, you know, why I love this part of our industry so much is that um, the operators that, you know, buy and operate this equipment on location are very uh, down-to-earth, easy-to-work-with people, right? And um, yeah. so they're just out there, you know, busting butt, trying to make a living and, and uh, you know, trying to keep their games running, right? So um, a lot of times what will happen is that, you know, a location who's not currently operating games will, will be in another location and see it, and they'll start right. to wonder, how do I get this? You know, and and it'll start that. It'll start a phone call. They'll go over to the the game terminal, look for a sticker, for example, and see. You know, you know, here's Lou's operator over there with a sticker on it. Call me if you have trouble. You know, and they right. Lou answers the phone and says, "Hey, yeah, I can put games." You know, it's kind of like that sort of thing, word of mouth sure. in a lot of mm-hmm. cases. So that helps tremendously. But there's a you know, there's friendly people that exist here and, you know, to a point, right? Obviously, you're not going to create a competitor for yourself, right. you know, with the place next door. But, you know, within reason, you know, that's going to it happens a lot like that for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So and then do you like help people through that process? Tell them where to look or you're just like, hey, go figure it out. And, and if you're allowed to, we, we can help you out. Or what does that usually look like? Yeah, it does. It happens a couple different ways. So first of all, you know, we try to do most of our our marketing or, or, you know, advertising, if you will, at at trade shows. Right. Mm -hmm. So we pick and choose where those are. Um, You know, when we were at the Bowl Expo, we didn't exhibit. Right. But um, I walked around and talked to a lot of people. Our major trade show that we do every year is the um, AEI Expo in March in Las Mm -hmm. Vegas, which is the amusement expo international right. uh, and I'm, I'm really involved in that i'm on the board for that show and you know even within my own industry which is the aama you know i'm currently the volunteer president for that industry so right, right. you know it keeps me quite active um but that's one place we can put our our goods on display you know mm-hmm. and it's amazing the amount of um people operators that are in this part of business that come up and you're all day long you're talking through things right so that that's one way that uh, we can find out what's going on. Cause mm-hmm. what's the first question, you know, you either look at their badge, right. Or, or you talk to them and say, where are you operating out of, you know, and you can right. instantly tell. So there's a pattern that emerges there and, and becomes quite obvious pretty quickly. Right. Um, but here's another great example of how this worked. It works. I should say is that, you know, uh, through the, um, the AAMA, right, and, and the network that I've developed from volunteering so much of my time, you know, people obviously know what we're doing. So I got a call from from a guy that basically designs uh, games, game room centers, and he, he wasn't sure if one of these game centers he was working on could operate these games. So he called me and, and asked me to do a little homework on that, and I did, and, and he mm-hmm. also directly connected me with that particular location and, and the um, owner of it, and eventually you know, everything proved to be cool. Right. And it was legal. Uh, it was legal there and so forth. And, and we uh, ended up, you know, putting a package together and, and getting it on location. And w- what's really interesting about that is that it's the location opened up as basically a, a sports, you know, bar type thing. And they had, you know, sort of more amusement related stuff, video and pinball and stuff like that. But sure. they had seen, like I previously mentioned, uh, down the street or wherever it was, a couple miles away in another location, some of these game terminals, and it piqued their interest, right? So that's why it started the chain of phone calls that kind of happened that ended up in my lap through a network, you know, 
uh, person that I'm really close with, and we are ending up able to get some games down to them. So that was a really cool experience. Yeah, it seems like you know the more it, the network grows, and the more people who have it, the more you can call on and, and kind of get proof, right? Hey, this person's running it, not having an issue. If you're down the street, then obviously you're you're more than likely going to be okay. Yeah, it's always safer to do your homework too, right? And, sure. and make sure that um, these things are legal in your town, and and that you're going to operate them legally. Because you know the last thing you want to do is, is spend a bunch of money and put you know right. a game together, and then turns out you can't have them there, right? Right. So um, that's a big part of it, obviously. And then it's just got to be handled like you would any other income to your business, where you're reporting earnings and paying your taxes on it. So right. Yeah, and I guess that's probably a whole other uh, plot of research is how it gets taxed as well, whether it's yeah. lottery or, you know, everybody's a little probably a little different. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, and I don't pretend to be uh, or I don't want to come off on this podcast as an expert in that area, and I'm not. You know, that right. we leave that up to the operator. You know, what we do is mm-hmm. design games. And, um, you know, I should back up a little bit, too, and just, tell, you know, kind of qualify that. It, it's interesting. When we first started in business, uh, we were strictly making a, a, uh, a cabinet um, or a game terminal that could hold anybody's software, right? Um, so there's kind of different pieces to this pie, if you will, right? You need the game mm-hmm. terminal that, that's got a monitor and all the, you know, hardware and, and stuff so you can operate games in it. And then there's the software who developers who make games that are mm-hmm. computer boards, right, that go inside. Sure. Um, so so we, we partnered with those guys and, and put their boards into our game terminals. It's now led to the point where we have um, our own software coming out, which will be, you know, mm. launched here, you know, probably in the next, uh, let's say, a couple months. Yeah. And then it adds another product line that we'll be able to um, to supply. And, you know, it, it, one thing leads to another, you know, and, and after we were doing game terminals for a while, we also um, had a inquiry from a customer that wanted to know how they could, you know, automate their payouts after a player plays, you know, mm-hmm. they win, you know, these, these games pay out cash, right? Um, right. Which again is legal. So they wanted to know how they could kind of automate that process and take the cash handling out of the hands of, of people within right. a, in a location, right? So let's just dial up an example here, if you will, on here about, let's say you have a bowling center, right? And, uh, you know, they want to put, game terminals in and without a an automatic payout solution they may have a literally a cigar box or some sort of a cash bag behind the counter and you know for us you play you just want 112 dollars you know and and you got this ticket right that says hey i want 112 bucks on it i want paid you know mm-hmm. the old way would you go up to the counter and that person would count on 112 and hand it over to you um, right so, you know obviously you can see some holes in that little process yeah, <laughs> right <laughs> right so one of our customers got kind of tired of that and uh, plugging up those holes so he um asked us to develop a, a machine that could do that so you know we did it was really mm. fun it, it, this is now we're probably four four and a half years into it but uh, it was quite the development process you know and it, it's a kiosk that automates payout and it's Very you know cool. for all yeah for all you know description it's a, it's a an atm right um right only only you can't use it for an ATM, at least this model you can't, but it'll validate and pay out a ticket. You know, wow. so things just continue to, um, you know, grow um, along those lines. So it's really cool, you know, what happens as you as you get into business with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's really cool. I didn't know that you, you even had the ability for that because I know that is a major issue for a lot of these people with the lottery and the skills is that cash control. 
Yeah, and then you know, in this segment of the industry, we were the first to come out with a product um, because, again, it, it didn't exist. You know, so we we mm-hmm. got this uh, this question asked, and we were really interested in trying to do it. And you know, now there's probably four or five at least competing products that do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, and on one hand, you're like you know, you'd love to have exclusive to all that. But on the other hand, it's really spawned another segment of the industry. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really cool to be part of that too. You know, that right. you had a hand in developing something new that right. really helped a lot of locations. Yeah. Leading the charge. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. So let, let's switch over maybe from some of the, uh, uh, legality and qualifications and switch over more. I'd love to hear a little bit more about like the, the business model of how these work. Um, tell me a little bit, maybe how much, people can expect to to make or how the business works or, or dive into a little bit of that, if you will. Yeah. So, you know, that's the million dollar question. Uh, how much can people make? And, you know, that's the lure of these machines, obviously. I think let's start mm-hmm. with this, you know, um, gambling is love by, you know, a lot of people. Right. And um, so that's the, you know, that's the one thing that at the end of the day, that's, you know, that's what happens here. Right. We're, we're but we're, what we perceive it as is more entertainment value. You know, and it's when you're looking at one of these machines, you know, and you see these just gorgeous graphics with gameplay that is, you know, a lot different than the old, you know, triple sevens on a screen. Right now you've got all kinds of great, you know, icons and pictures and, you know, the theme. Right. As you as you see a lot of things um, Mm -hmm. in any type of game is really important. Um, so that attracts players to, to a game, you know, and that's what you need. Just, so you need a good looking machine and a, you know, a pretty, uh, popular location that's got some traffic, right? Right. And then, um, you know, that get the players coming in and let them start, uh, playing the game. So contrary to, I guess, a lot of belief, you know, the machines are designed to pay out frequently, you know, um, which is really cool because, I mean, if you just think about it, if I'm sitting in front of a machine or you are forced, you know, you want to win, right? So, of course, yeah. So the idea is that you're you're feeding, you know, wins to the player, you know, and this is all done through, you know, algorithms, you know, within the software. And I'm not that mm-hmm. software engineer, so I can't explain it. You know, I just know generally the way that works. So if I'm sitting there playing, you know, even if I'm getting, if I play a hand and I and I win twelve cents, just for example, right? But that happens continuously, continuously. It accumulates, right? Um, and now you can choose either to bet that back or keep, you know, keep it in the in the kitty, right? And and play right. some other, some of your other uh, money on the machine. So, you know, it's kind of the premise here: is pay out frequently. Maybe they're not so big, but every now and then they will be. And, you know, and that keeps the player playing. And what's happening at the meantime, they're being entertained in front of the machine, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I guess to answer the question a little bit differently is, you know, um, most locations have a limitation of how many game terminals can be in it. And, right. and that round number is somewhere between five and six. Um, but I've seen as many as 20 and 30. You know, again, that all comes down to your location and what your your state or, you know, even your city or village, you know, says, your town says. Sure. Uh, but, you know, if you look at this from an operator standpoint, you know, what's it going to take to get into the business? You know, and in most uh, game terminals with, a, a, a you know, the bigger screens like I talked about, turnkey with, you know, the, the software and games on them are probably going to end up costing somewhere around, let's let's call it 7,500 hours a machine just for round numbers, okay. right? Just in that area. And, and that, let's say you're going to put, you know, five of those in. You know, so you're close to, to a $40,000, you know, um, investment just on your game terminals. Right. Um, 
a lot of a lot of locations like to put in nice chairs so a player sitting there comfortably keeps them at the machine again even further right nice. um and then if you want to add this automatic payout solution this kiosk i talked about you know that's gonna depending on the model let's call that another twelve thousand just for average cost so so somewhere around that fifty to fifty five thousand dollar mark you're in in this business you know okay. mm-hmm. um now i've seen you know i've seen good locations with really good games on it you know each terminal earned, you know, maybe um, a couple thousand bucks, you know, uh, a week. You know, mm-hmm. um, some do even better than that. But again, we don't want to overpromise anything because sure. so many factors, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other big uh, thing you have to decide is how is this going to work? You know, if I again, if I have a bowling center, am I going to take this on and operate them by myself? You know, and if that's your model already, for example, if you're operating pinball and video and whatever else in your mm-hmm. game room that's in a bowling center, you're probably used to that, right? Meaning what? You also have technicians, right? You, right. you have, you know, or, or maybe there's a collector or that's the same person as a technician. So you kind of have that support, you know, and personnel already built in. And in that case, you will get 100% of the proceeds in your cash box, right? Sure, right. The other model is what? There's an operator involved and, and he's using your location, right? So then you're in some sort of a split riven, revenue scenario, and you know, which can be anywhere from 40, 60 to, you know, 70, 30. I mean, there's all sorts mm-hmm. of things. Out there. But generally speaking, you know, the, the uh, operator in this case um, doesn't get the, uh, let's say, equal share. And what I mean by that is let's just say this. Let's say you, you're in a location and force, let, um, you have a, a bowling center, right? And you ask me to right. come in and operate my, my equipment. So there's no cost to you, number one. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've got now $55,000 in product that I put in there, right? And sure. I'm going to offer you, let's just say I offer you a, a 50-50 split for discussion, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to get 50% off the top of the cash box, right? Mm-hmm. Now, my 50% also includes the support I've got to do, right? Which is servicing the machines, uh, right. be on call for when something happens, empty in the cash box, right? And then, of course, I got to amortize my equipment costs that I put in there. So, you, you know, in that scenario, you know, if I'm a location owner, I think I'm going that route, to be honest with you, because, you know, it's a lot less headaches. I'm taking my 50% off. It's passive income, you know, for mm-hmm. the most case that um, is really cool. So, you know, right off the bat, day one, you're making money in that scenario, Right. right. If you own your equipment, then it's a different story. You know, you can expect probably to pay that package back in about a year's time, 18 months time, probably at the most. And a lot of times it's even faster. Okay. Yeah. So you're saying if maybe about a $60,000, $65,000 outlay, you can expect about sixty-five dollars uh, per year in revenue on those. So first year you're paying it back. And then from then on, you're, you're putting, you know, a couple hundred bucks away or a couple thousand away each month. Yeah, and I would and I would say that's probably a very conservative approach. A lot of times mm. it's it's faster, right? And again, sure. so so many factors are involved, right? And mm-hmm. but you're doing your homework first too. You know, you want to make sure that you've got the traffic that can support it. And you know, maybe it's only a three game setup or you know, mm. you put three in and holy cow, you now you need seven. It's just all you know, you kind of yeah. feel you through it. Right. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of variability, but at least you're saying conservatively, they could expect maybe a, a one year payback. Yeah. Right. Okay. Very cool. Um, and so then where do you see like the people who are doing it? Well, what are they doing? Are they creating a separate space? Are they like, what are the people who are seeing the best returns doing? Is it just high volume? You know, how, if someone wants to do this, how do they do it? Well, 
Yeah, so that's a great question. And I think, you know, my um, recommendations are, first of all, let's start with what a player, I think, really wants. A player wants to go and sit in front of a game terminal and, and be entertained. And they want to do that in a nice, clean space, right, where they can have right. some privacy in so doing. So to your point, yeah, a little separate room, you know, off the main floor is really an ideal setup if you can mm. – if you can. If you've got one, great. If not, build one, right? Because, right. again, the, the payback's there. This is a good part of the business, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is you got to keep those machines clean. You know, it's so funny. Like, we have the opportunity to go out on a lot of locations. And, you know, here in our state, for example, you know, there there a lot of the locations include convenience stores or gas stations or whatever. Right. And, you know, and some of those are just absolute pigsties. I mean, you know, I, I want to wear my rubber gloves when I, yeah. <laughs> right. you know, and that's all the op on the operator, you know, you can't force yeah. them to yeah. do it, but you know, picture yourself, if you've got the choice of two locations, which one are you going to go into? You know, right. obviously right. The, the nicer, cleaner one. Um, so, so that's a, that's a big, big thing and a great way to, you know, get this. And, you know, I think, like this think about it sort of setting up like a mini casino you know area within it you know and and you've got the the nice clean it, the the lighting's just right meaning on a little bit on the dimmer side um mm -hmm. you know you've you've got you know some some music playing right um there are you know here's a here's a thing that a lot of people do that have that setup they'll offer you know like a you know a complimentary you know coke or water right because you're sitting there playing right so again you're just kind of making the players feel like they're they're getting their money's worth they're being entertained right so it's another good way to look at it um and then you know where do i see it going i really see this becoming more you know as laws continue to favor this you know and again meaning that i think in general that basically means is you know as long as the state is playing in you know the cash box here they're going to be happy meaning they're getting their tax revenue right hey, um hey. And if that happens, it should continue to grow along the lines of what, you know, basically a, a casino is doing, right? Um, only in areas that people can't travel there or, or it's not convenient for them to go to Vegas or go to Atlantic mm -hmm. City, right, or wherever else these these places are, right? But they can go to their local, you know, um, bar, pub, bowling center, in this case, wherever, and, and have that same experience, right? So if you build that attraction, they'll come. Secondly, uh, you know, I would like to see more promotional. And, I, and it's, you know, there are some products and we're ha actually helping to develop some products that'll do this to where you can promote your business and attract players in rather than just sort of sit there and hope people see your little sign that's in your center, right? Um, so what does that mean? It means like maybe some, uh, you know, some push notifications, right, to your to your cell phone, right, to, that's text, hey, you know, come on in today, you know, we're, we're going to add XYZ to your gameplay, you know, things like that, that I think will, will help promote this business and, and make it, you know, more of something that becomes uh, mainstream, you know, compared to where it was, you know, way back when, when it was on the other side of the track, so to speak. Right now, is there different um, legality as far as the advertising for those? Yeah, there is. Um, and again, I think it really has to do with, um, you know, the value of, of things that you're offering. You know, um, I'll bring up another type of uh, this this gaming that is, um, you know, legal. And I think the way that they they uh, make sure that um, people stay within the law, there's a there's a category that's called sweepstakes, 
um, games, right? That um, basically the premise behind it for us is that a player can walk up to a machine and have the opportunity to get something without putting money into the machine. Um, mm -hmm. So in, in this case, what it basically means is that there's a, a coupon that, that the machine will issue that has some value to it. And what that value is might be some some points or or a discount on a website that sells particular things like you know uh, let's call a small appliance a toaster type thing a blender or something like that right so for example you'd go on that website and uh you know you see a 60 dollar toaster but i've got this coupon that offers me five dollars off right and that coupon came from a game terminal that's operating as a sweepstakes machine so so that's one you know one way of, of that this is you know legalized and, and you know make make sure that it's not being operated you know as a as sort of a cash only device gotcha i see so that does change a little bit about what you can do to promote and get people in right now and technically speaking sweepstakes category games are, are legal across you know the whole country and all, all 50 states you know um, but again, every local town, city, et cetera, has the opportunity to roll that out, right? Um, so it, it's just, uh, again, do your homework, you know, and, and talk to, to people that are doing it now, right? Get referred to some, you know, experts and, and make sure you're covering your bases. Right. Yeah, I think it's a big opportunity, especially if uh, you're looking for additional product lines, revenue streams, and you have the volume, you know, I think it's a new brainer to add something like this, as long as it's the legalities there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm particularly intrigued by the bowling center opportunities, you know, just because we haven't done a lot of business with that, at least with that, that we know of. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we, a lot of times we sell to operators and don't know where games go. Right. Um, so that's interesting, but I don't think that's the case. And if it, if it is, then this should be a pretty wide open opportunity, you know, for areas where these are legal, you know, and, and I can easily see a bowling center putting in a group of these games and doing quite well, you know, for, for people that are there, you know, bowling, they're between games or they're not bowling, right? They're done and they just want to go do this for a while. So I think it's a tremendous opportunity to look into. Yeah, absolutely. Both the centers that I'm involved with have it is up, up to their, their uh, limited allotment. Oh, really? Cool. And that's in Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. both of these? One's in Pennsylvania, one's in West Virginia. Oh, awesome. Okay. And what's the limitation of those both for us? Yeah, it's definitely six in PA, and and I, you know, again, it it, it can change not specifically in PA, but it, within a state, it can also be a, a difference of you know how many games depending on the town or city, right? So, right, yeah, right. West Virginia is a very interesting one. So um, that's great. I mean, you have direct experience with it, and um, so you said involved. What? How are you involved in those? So the I own a, a minority stake in one of the centers in uh, the center in West Virginia. Oh, okay. And then the guy that I partnered with, the one in West Virginia, owns one in Pennsylvania. Oh, got it. Okay, very I cool. Work, I work closely with him. Oh, awesome. Mm -hmm. All right, good. Mm -hmm. yeah, you're you're pretty deep into this stuff, then. Yeah, exactly. This is live and breathe, <laughs> right? Yeah, every day. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know we're coming up to the the top of the hour. Um, if people are interested in learning more, or they want to find out, you know, if it's right for them. Where would you, where would you like people to go, or how should they get in touch with you? 
Yeah, so all you know, the website is always up there, right? So shorewaygaming.com or shorewaygames.com. They both reach me. Um, so that's one way to do it. And then, you know, um, they, can, they can always call us, you know, and we can flash some numbers up later if you like, you know, and, and just start with a phone call. You know, we, um, we go through this process, you know, pretty casually, right? I'm not, I'm not the hard sell type guy. You know, I really want to make sure we're getting product in your hands that, first of all, you can legally operate. And secondly, it's the right product for you, you know, and we'll go through the mixes of, of what that means, different types of games that will do well for your particular location, your, your kind of your, um, you know, mix of people that come in, right? Um, it's all important. And, and we'll just help you put something together that works. Yeah, I like that. I think that's an important approach, especially for something that's kind of newer and lesser known to kind of help people through that process. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, one good example is that I mentioned this previously in this podcast was the the customer that came through to me from my networking wanted initially to put in a bunch of games. You know, I kind of pulled it back a bit and I just said, look, why don't we start with about half of what you're asking to do? You know, just get your feet wet a little bit. Um, You haven't operated this stuff before. Not that it's, you know, difficult, but it's new, right? So let's make sure that, A, you can support it with the right technicians and such. Let's make sure you've got the right foot traffic. When you get that and you see how well it does, we can always add. We're not going anywhere. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's the right approach. Cool. Awesome, Jeff. Well, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed this. I always love about this whenever I talk to you. So maybe we'll have to do a, uh, an update in a couple months and see how things have progressed. Well, that'd be very cool. I'm excited and I can't thank you enough for us for putting this together. It's been a lot of fun really chatting with you and I appreciate it. Likewise. Yeah. Thanks for your time, Jeff. I appreciate it. Yep. Talk to you soon. Talk soon. Bye.